Well, hello there. This is Evangelist Timothy Gruber here at the Word of the King. The Holiness Bibles for the Blind. Ecclesiastes chapter 8 verse 4 tells us that where the word of a king is, there is power. We may say unto him, What doest thou? In the name of you, Lord, our omnipresent neighbor, Lord God. Yes. Lord God, to Lord, teach us, Lord God, now, we pray, as we are going to look at this matter of this Hebrew roots movement doctrine, and we're going to weigh the teaching in light of your word. Help us, Lord God, to help those, Lord God, who have been uh, seduced, Lord God, by the seducing spirits, Lord God, at work in this false movement, this false doctrine, Lord God. And Father God, we confess, indeed, salvation is of the Jews. And yet we're also told not to give heed to Jewish fables, commandments of men, which turn and cause one to err from the truth. So, Father God, help us now, Lord God. Anoint this teaching, Lord God, for your honor, for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. First Timothy chapter 1. Turn to First Timothy chapter 1. Okay. We'll go ahead and start in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior, and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope, and to Timothy, my own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions, but in the godly edifying which is in faith, so do. By the end of the commandments, charity out of a pure heart, and of a good conscience and a faith and feigned, from which some have swerved and turned aside into the vain jangling. In verse 7, 1 Timothy chapter 1, desire to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. Now, when we talk about Hebrew roots and the Hebrew roots doctrine, and we speak of those who are the teachers of this particular doctrine called Hebrew roots, we are speaking of individuals who indeed desire to be teachers of the law, but they understand neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. Now, I'm going to be reading here from the writing of a lady by the name of Victoria Dillon. And this is found at www.blessedquietness.com. That's www.b as in boy, L E S S E, D as in Daniel, Q U I E, T as in Timothy, N E S S.com. Victoria Dillon, her writing is posted at this particular website. And started to embrace Hebrew roots. And we're going to be looking here at an introduction and an overall understanding of, of, of Hebrew roots, what it implies, as by the grace of God we will go even further in this in the weeks to come. 
as I'm given opportunity to bring forth the word. Victoria Dillon, she starts out here in this introduction to embrace Hebrew roots. There is a growing movement within Christianity which can contend that Christians need to return to their Hebrew roots. The leaders of this movement purport to be teaching believers that Hebrew roots of Christianity through the study of the Jewish foundational teachings. Having been enjoying to study Hebrew roots, it is only reasonable that one must take a close look at the teachings of the Messianic and Hebrew roots movements, as well as the Hebrew faith itself. We are reminded in Colossians 2, verses 6 through 9, that he had therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walked ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith that he had been taught, founding there in the thanksgiving. The word of the same man spoiled you to philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, not after Christ, for in him dwelt all the fullness of the God had bodily. Our Hebrew roots, as some might suggest, merely a study of the Old Testament, which Christians already study along with the New Testament. What do the Hebrew foundational teachings expound with regard to the New Testament, the Messiah, the divinity of Jesus Christ, the Trinity? the Bible, and the character of God. Again, when, uh, I would just insert here myself, when we speak of the divinity of Jesus, we're speaking of his being God. When we speak of the Trinity, we're speaking of Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. All three persons is God, and yet one God. Victoria goes on, I could never... Accept the concept of being spoofed that answers to my questions from those promoting the movement, or believe that it is, or believe that it is questionable. To embrace the Hebrew roots theology without a full review and understanding of its teachings would be blindness on our part and lead to ignoring the many more that we find in the Word of God. Second Timothy 3, verses 13 through 17. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Continue down the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing that whom thou hast learned them, and that from the child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make the rise of salvation, the faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for proof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. We know that many of the Hebrew roots ministries are connected with each other and with the discernment ministries. This obligates us to investigate them even more thoroughly by examining the HR teachings, HR Hebrews teachings, those of the Jewish faith and its mystical exponent, Kabbalism, which is indeed the root of the Hebrews movement. We will then see if what is taught holds the word of God. Now, at this point, I would interject the author of the website, www.blessedquietness.com. He has here a little insert that he puts in, and this brother, by the name of Steve, comments, it will help the reader if we have a brief discussion of the history of the Jews in captivity and the excess baggage they picked up in Babylon, and in the case of the Ten Tribes, carried off by Syria, the Jews in the North Country. After the Jews have retaken Babylon and been in captivity for the full term of their divine sentence away from the Holy Land, God calls the king of Persia 
to allow them to return to Palestine, but he did not send them all at once. He sent one group of Ezra and Zerubbabel, and a second group of Nehemiah. Ezra and Zerubbabel rebuilt the temple and established life in Palestine, and Nehemiah built the walls of Jerusalem. But there were a large number of Jews who had become paganized and culturalized so well by the Persian pagan raids that they never returned. The wise men at the birth of Jesus were very likely Babylonian Jews. When Alexander the Great entered the Middle East to conquer it, he found Jews in Babylon along with a synagogue. These Babylonian Jews began a process of syncretism in which they combined the law of Moses and the prophets with pagan Babylonian and Sumerian religious concepts. The result was the Talmud, the Midrash, and Kabbalah. The Kabbalah was the most extreme of the three, and it included all manner of satanic notions in a thin candy shell total concept. This vile mess then made its way into the hands of the ten tribes who never returned to the Holy Land. They were absorbed into the northern nations in Europe. They picked up on the pagan forms, and they had them this hour. Most of the Jews your readers know are from Europe, and their Judaism is wicked and filthy. This rubbish is the foundation of the Hebrew Roots movement. This is what Victoria Dillon is going to expose here. I am not making it easy for you to jump ahead and skip chapters. If you do this, you will not benefit from the very logical order Victoria has used to build her case. Now, very few readers will read all nine chapters. The attention span of people over all the world has become so very short. If you have any tender feelings for the Hebrew Roots movement or if you have friends in it, you need to read all nine chapters. In fact, once you read the whole book by Victoria, you may well realize you are not born again at all. I believe very few people immersed in the Hebrew Roots movement are born again because of the violence done to the gospel of Jesus Christ and because they are practicing forms and rituals that are worse blasphemy than those of Mormonism, Islam, or the Roman Catholic Church. This is serious stuff, the awful Brother Steve Van Atten said. And then, in conclusion, he has here, facts presented above were learned during Steve Van Atten's six years of research into God-God's evolutions in the Middle East from the Tower of Babel to the day of Muhammad in 625 A.D. Steve has one hand 4,000 pages plus of gleanings from 300 plus authors who were secular historians, epigraphologists, and explorers in the Middle East. We return to the editorial of Victoria Dillon. Anti-Semitism? Question mark. Those who have challenged the Hebrew religious teaching in the past have been dealt with swiftly and with the utmost hostility. For example, the following message from a Hebrew roots leader to his email list was forwarded to me. This was his response to information sent out by another person on various Hebrew roots issues. This well-known leader, Victoria Dillon goes on to say, who incidentally never addressed any of the issues attacked with the words. You have to be one of the most arrogant, ignorant, blah, 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 can't repeat it. On this earth, you are a total danger to society and to God himself. Your day will not be what you think it will be. I would not wish to be in your shoes. You are a deceiver and liar. You pervert the facts and you totally distort the truth. May God one day forgive you of your stupidity. And about maybe 10 at least exclamation points, maybe 12 after that. The story goes on. 
this is horribly what one would expect from a man of God who claims to belong to Jesus Christ. Paul acknowledged Timothy and 2 Timothy 2.24 that, and the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle to all men, apt to teach, patient. James chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, we were reminded that the wisdom that is from above us was pure and peaceable, gentle and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruit, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is served in peace of them that make peace. In James chapter 3, verses 8 through 10, we see, But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Though with us we God, even the Father, and though with curse we men, which are made up of the similitude of God, out of the same mouth proceed with blessing and cursing. My brother, these things ought not so to be. For she tells us in Matthew chapter 12, verse 37, By thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Amen. Those who question this movement, speaking of the Hebrew roots movement, have often been accused of anti-Semitism. Does the presentation of various Jewish doctrines obtained from Jewish sources constitute anti-Semitism? It seems unreasonable to conclude that the facts presented objectively are inherently anti-Semitic. Moreover, this reader has no bias against the Jews, but rejoices in the salvation of any Jew through Jesus Christ. This is a stretch for truth, a search for truth. The information that will be used is from the very beliefs and teachings that we are being asked to embrace. John 3, verse 20, 21. For everyone that doeth evil, hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. And he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Notice of Hebrew roots. This search for truth must test all those involved against such passages as James 3, verses 13 through 16. Who is a wise man and a Jew with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness and wisdom. But if ye have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but it's earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envy and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. It seems fitting, then, that we examine the teachings of prominent leaders such as Peter, Micah, of messengers of Messiah, Abi ben Mordecai of Torah, and the B'nai Torah movement, Jacob Prash of Montreal, Mary Roberts, the messengers of truth, and James Trim of the Society for the Advancement of Nazarene Judaism. We must consider these and the many groups linked to them which are advocating the Hebrew Roots cause. Not all of the individuals and groups mentioned are claiming connections to the Messianic Hebrew Roots movement, and these distinctions will be made. For example, Abi Ben Mordecai, a Nazarene Messianic Halakha teacher, has stated on his website, www.millennium7000.com slash H-A-L-A-C-H-A dot H-T-M, in the article, Halakha, is very influential within the Hebrew roots and Messianic leadership. However, Mr. Mordecai made his pronouncement in an email from Mr. Ed Tarkowski, dated May 8, 1998, I am not a proponent of the Jewish roots or Hebraic roots movement, as you or they define the terms. I am a proponent of Torah, observance, both Jews and non-Jews, which takes Jewish roots information and engages it to become a lifestyle. In other words, it's not Jewish information that I'm teaching in and of itself. It's Jewish information with an associated lifestyle that I hold. 
I would just interject here at this point myself personally for the sake of anyone listening to this who does not understand. Torah is Hebrew for law. The Torah Dillon goes on commenting here. Uh, he's making reference to the remarks of this particular leader of the Hebrew Roots teaching, one of their main teachers. This teacher of the Hebrew Roots movement, again, he comments, Victoria Dillon quotes him, I'm an Orthodox Sephardic Jew. I believe fully in the written Torah of Moshe and of Yeshua. Hence the term, the Messiah of Yeshua HaMashiach. A Hebrew message of Jesus Messiah. Furthermore, I am not connected to the Messianic movement, which generally, and I say generally, only accepts the written Torah law, and usually rejects the oral Torah law, and then makes the written Torah law optional equipment for the faith, which is fully counter to Yeshua's and Shaul's teachings. Shaul reference to uh, Paul in Hebrew, and again, Yeshua, Jesus. She has some other quotes that she lists here, but I'm going to uh, jump over. If you would like to read those other quotes for yourself, you can go to, again, www.blessedquietness.com, and, again, you're looking at, once, you all, once you're on the site, you would want to search for To Embrace Hebrew Roots.
written by Dean Carlin regarding the Hebrew Roots Movement. This prophecy discloses that the Hebrew Roots Movement is the last of a series of movements designed to change the direction of the Church, the previous movements being the Pentecostal, Charismatic, and Word of Faith. Part of this prophecy declares this, the critical turn in thinking which Christians must make is a shift away from the Greek corruption of the past and back toward the center line God ordained Hebrew runway down which Jesus himself came and landed perfectly. Jesus himself with the airship and the terminal where he had been waiting since his first coming has been the world to which he has come. The runway then is all the Old Testament, all the Old Testament Hebrew truth and revelation, and much of the Hebrew culture and customs that came with it. We leave on the same runway Jesus landed on, Old Testament Hebrew revelations and prophecies, and Hebrew ways of thinking and living. That's who God revealed himself to be, and who Jesus also showed himself to be when he lived here on this planet. In the flesh. Many errors were incorporated into the early church in order to please and accommodate the Greek culture. And again, these are the Hebrew, this is the Hebrew roots mentality here, you know, saying these things now. Many errors were incorporated into the early church in order to please and accommodate the Greek culture and to escape anti-Hebrew persecutions from the Romans. These early corruptions are what we mean by the Hebrew to Greek shift. The correction of this past mistake is the turning of that great airliner in what is called the Greek to Hebrew shift or the Hebrewism. It is what God now expects from us before he more fully empowers us and thrusts us into his glory. It's what we need to do to make him more comfortable by opening openly identifying himself with us in his full approval of glory and power. Do we indeed have to become Jewish in thought and custom in order to fully understand the word of God and be pleasing before him? Are we to accept that we have been lacking? Now this way, now this right here is Victoria Dillon commenting now. Victoria Dillon saying this. And again, Victoria Dillon, she, she's the one who is exposing the Hebrew roots here. Victoria comments, do we indeed have to become Jewish in thought and custom in order to fully understand the word of God and be pleasing before him? Are we to accept that we have been lacking and even deliberately missled, as some will say, by the New Testament and many Orthodox teachings? The implications could indeed be overwhelming if this were a possibility. What if the needed reconciliation between Jews and Gentiles, they say, will take place if we embrace our Hebrew roots? Is there any truth to the charges of anti-Semitism towards Jews and the part of Christians in general and from the New Testament? Again, Victoria Dillon asks, does this teaching of Jew and Gentile reconciliation change the meaning of Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 29? For you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female, for you are all work in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise. What is the divine inspiration of the Bible? 
Is Scripture sufficient in itself and considered the inerrant word of God? Are Peter Micah and others correct when they state that we must go back to the Hebrew? Are Aramaic writings and look to the oral traditions for the interpretation of Scripture? Another issue Hebrew teachers bring forward is the need to rewrite the English versions of the Word of God with Jewish names as done in the book, Holy the Yahweh. And again, she quotes one of these Hebrew roots teachers, which is bringing revelation, illuminating the importance of the Hebrew name of the Father and the Son, magnification of the holy Hebrew roots of Scripture and Christianity, scriptural truths that reveal many faulty religious doctrines and traditions, anti-Semitism exposed and shattered, and the reconciliation of Jews and Gentiles to a holy God of one another. Holy to Yahweh, author Tyria Goldblum, Stephen, and her husband, desire all to be searching into the scriptural, pure, holy Hebrew roots of Christianity. Therefore, sure, Messianic Revelation, Spiritual Revival, further states, the mighty one, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, is ruling a remnant, both Jews and Gentiles, to be reconciled to him and one another. Before I continue on here, I'm going to interject, and I would just stop right now for a moment, and I would ask you who are listening, and of course, Kenny and Ruth, if you want, you want to say anything here, what jumps out at you about this particular teaching and all of its faults? I'll, I'll tell you what jumps out at me here right now, just reading this, and then you can tell me what jumps out at you, if this, if this isn't in fact what jumps out at you. But for one thing, they just listen to this quote again, this one false teacher of the Hebrew Roots Movement says, which is bringing revelation, illuminating the importance of the Hebrew name of the Father of the Son, magnification of the holy Hebrew roots of Scripture and Christianity, scriptural truths that reveal many false religious doctrines and traditions, anti-Semitism exposed and shattered, and the reconciliation of Jews and Gentiles to only God and one another. So basically, what Jesus accomplished on the cross wasn't sufficient to reconcile Jew and Gentile to a holy God and to one another. It's basically the message that I get out of that, according to him. I'd say that's simplifying it right there. Which, if that's not Dan, I don't know what is. Yeah. That ain't straight from the pit of hell. I don't know what it is. He goes on here. We're winding down here to this first, the end of this introduction here. Before he goes on, Jacob Price maintains that we need the knowledge of Midrash and rabbinical method of interpreting on Scripture to let us understand the Bible. Many advocates of the Hebrew Roots doctrine would have us believe that the Talmud a compendium of oral traditions is divinely inspired and of benefit to those involved in Judaism, the Hebrew Roots Movement, and Christianity. What evidence is there of the alleged connection between the Talmud, the Kabbalah, which is Jewish mysticism, and Freemasonry? While many deny any connection to say that the Kabbalah is not used connected to the motive, there are facts which indicate otherwise. Certain Hebrew roots and sacred name advocates are protesting that the name Jesus Christ is invalid, mistranslated, or unacceptable for whatever reason. 
What about that? Which name do these people wish to use, wish us to use, if not the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Which of the numerous only sacred names are we to use? We must also ask, what is the acceptable name of the Father? Many of the groups are promoting the changing or rejecting of the inaccurate name of translation of Jehovah, and even Lord. Is there a translation to the name which theosophists and Kabbalists call the ineffable name, or Ketogenmachan, and should we embrace it? Would changing the name of our Savior and embracing another name become the rejection of Jesus Christ and his salvation? It is imperative that we understand the significance of the sacred name issue. For Scripture tells us in John 14, 6, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts 4, 12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Also for this is the occult symbol, the star of David, which we must consider as part of Bible prophecy. Besides removing or changing the name of Jesus Christ, many would eliminate the term Christianity. You Marcus, Nehemiah trustees covenant funds, and an email regarding a vote for Jesus, insist that converted Jews must retain their Jewish identity and refuse the Christian name so as not to offend their fellow Jews. And uh, Victoria quotes this Yuri Marcus is saying, a Jew cannot reasonably hope to identify with this metamorphosized name and expect that other Jews are going to want to run in and find out how they too can believe. Our only hope is reestablish our Jewish identity and lay of our beliefs in the Jewish Messiah. In other words, we must restore the Jewishness of the gospel. And again, she quotes this theory as saying, I did not say that I would not want to be considered Christian among others in the body of the Messiah. I only said that with regard to our own people, the Jews, we cannot afford this association. Do other, pe- do other Jewish people view Christianity in the same manner? Victoria now asks this question. Do other Jewish people view Christianity in the same manner? If we embrace the Hebrew roots and traditions, will the Jewish people, people who do not accept Jesus Christ or the New Testament, then accept us? Will reconciliation take place between Jews and Christians? And is this objective of the Hebrew roots movement desirable? Do the various Jewish groups view the Messianic Hebrews movement in a favorable way? If we embrace the rituals, ceremonies, feasts, and beliefs, do we fall under the law and become prophets to Judaism? Where do the Noahide laws fit into the Hebrew roots doctrine? These laws, which are acceptable to Jews and Muslims alike, are intended to govern those who are not born into the faith. We must ask, are these Messianic and Jewish leaders able to now provide truth which has been hidden from the Gentile Christians all this time? Do they hold the knowledge of the rest of us lack, as suggested by so many? Is it possible that Peter Lycus has stated that even the conception and birth of Christ are different than what we have been taught? Is Jesus' length of ministry on earth recorded incorrectly in the New Testament? Or is this part of the Antichrist's plan to changing times and dates that we understand as truth? Have these spiritual leaders been giving unique and new insight? But they alone are able to dispense to those who embrace the Hebrew roots of Christianity? Is this movement of God or does it come from something else? These then are some of the questions that need to be addressed. The next articles will, will reveal many answers, which will lead to an understanding of the true nature of the Hebrew roots movement 
My conclusions about this movement are based on my belief in the inerrancy of the Word of God alone, and there is salvation in only one name, the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 3.18, let no man deceive himself. Any man among you seems to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. As we evaluate the teachings of the Hebrew roots or Messianic movements, we must understand these teachings in their historical context. Clearly, there are many people who love the Lord Jesus Christ whose heart's desire is to follow him, serve him, and share him. However, we would be naive to think that all of you say they belong to him are true believers. Seeking the truth about the Hebrew roots of Christianity needs carefully weighing all pertinent information according to the Word of God. Ephesians 5.17 Therefore, be not unwise in understanding what the will of the Lord is. And uh, Victoria goes, concludes chapter 1. I believe the Lord showed me, and uh, I'll get into this for more in, in the next message at the beginning, that there is actually a connection well, and she pretty much, and now that I think of it now, she really pretty much showed her this to them. It's pretty obvious because this one guy, like this one guy here said that she quoted, this one particular teacher, she talks right here, you know, Victoria Dillon, she says, an organization in Colorado Springs for the propagation of a new kind of church, the open church ministry, it promotes a prophecy written a Dean Cogman regarding the Hebrew Roots Movement. This prophecy discloses that the Hebrew Roots Movement is the last of a series of movements designed to change the direction of the church. Previous movements being the Pentecostal, Charismatic, and Word of Faith. So, when I was over in Israel, and again, I have since cut this individual off, because the heretic is on his way to hell, I'm sure of that. And he doesn't want to receive the truth either. I mean, he is like, he is like a full-blown, he moves charismatic. Eating their pork, keeping Sabbath, tongues all the way. But you know, even before looking at this, and it's all the more clear to me now, having seen this, the, 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 the connection between this Hebrew Roots doctrine and the Pentecostal charismatic doctrine, I, I think it explains why, even more so than, than the sign factor and the fact you know, that the human cause of sign and the Pentecostal charismatic movements are very much about sign, I think what explains the reason why a lot of Jewish believers in Jesus, a lot of Jews when they get saved, they, they're, they're quick to appeal to the Pentecostal charismatic doctrine is because of this, the, the Hebrew root spirit that we're looking at here, because think about it. Uh, real quick, First Corinthians 14. First Corinthians 14. Now, basically, according to these people, the only way you can say his name is in Hebrew, if you're not saying it in Hebrew, you're not saying it properly, and you're basically saying you're, they might as well submit it, you know, you know basically blasphemed according to them if you don't say his name properly in Hebrew. Well, here's a question that I would like to pose to them who believe that. And you'll understand why I say what I said about the Lord showing me about the connection between the charismatic Pentecostal tongue doctrine and the Hebrew roots teaching. 
Here in First Corinthians 14, verse 23. If therefore the whole church become together into one place and all speak with tongues, there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers. Or that since you're mad. And he says here at one point, look up there in uh, verse 15 and 16, First Corinthians 14. What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. Verse 16. And else when thou shalt bless the Spirit, how shall he that occupieth the room of the unlearned say, Amen, by giving a thanks? See, you understandeth not what thou sayest. Now, keep in mind, I would remind them that Yeshua, okay, and I'll say his name in Hebrew, Yeshua, said we are supposed to pray in his name. If they are going to give thanks in the name of Yeshua, and just one of the saints, one of the people sitting in their midst, saved or unsaved, doesn't matter what they just got done saying when they said Yeshua. If it's a sin to say his name in any other language, how are they ever going to interpret so the person can understand what they just got done saying and give thanks properly? But, again, um, I mean, there's a spirit there that, that says, hey, this is the way we say his name, and if you don't understand, it doesn't matter. Too bad. Kind of like the charismatic, just like the charismatic tongue and the way the charismatics do their tongues. They'll pray a lot of times and they'll say things and they'll not bother to interpret. And if nobody understood what they said, too bad. They don't care. Not, they don't care. So, so you see, you, you see how the, 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 the spirits go together there. Well, we're told, but as many as are the works of the law are under the curse for curse. Be everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them, we're told in the book of Galatians. Oh, but here it is. But God committed his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Repent ye, and believe the gospel, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved, and the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, shall cleanse you from all sin, for if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Menial, mortal, Sin, whatever you call it, all unrighteousness, God is faithful to forgive those who confess their sins to him through faith in Jesus Christ, his death, burial, resurrection alone. For by grace he is saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. Call upon the Lord today. This is Evangelist Timothy Groover. Till next time, God bless you and yours.